The following is a presentation of Renfrew Baptist Church, a community of faith that exists to create obedient followers of Jesus Christ who love God and love people. There was nothing particularly spectacular about my birth. Uh, I was born on a cold day in February in the year 1970 in a hospital in the city of Edmonton. Uh, My mom told me that uh, because I was more than two weeks overdue, uh, back in the days when they would let a baby be two weeks overdue, uh, that when I was born, my fingernails needed clipping and my hair needed a bit of a trim as well. Um, But that's about as spectacular as it gets uh, concerning the moment of my birth. Nothing of great or significant interest there. This past week I was imagining uh, in my mind's eye, and I invite you to imagine with me uh, this morning, Jesus say at age 16 or 17, working with his dad Joseph in the carpenter shop, sawing some boards, and in a quiet moment, Jesus asks his dad, Dad, tell me about my birth. What was it like when I was born? Tell me the story, Dad. And Joseph stops sawing, wipes the dust off his hands, and says, My son, your birth was nothing short of spectacular. The moment when you came into this world, Jesus, was unlike anything that any of us had ever seen or experienced. Why don't we sit down, Jesus, and uh, take a break And I'll share uh, with you details concerning your birth. And, And so the two of them sit down. And Joseph continues. Oh, Jesus, I suppose that for in order for you to, to really get the whole picture, we have to go way back in our family tree, for starters. You know, son, that you are related to the patriarch Isaac because your father, I myself, am distantly related to Isaac. Isaac, Jesus, would be your great, 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 in fact, 40 or more greats, grandfather. And you know the story, Jesus. Isaac had been something of a miracle baby. His parents, Sarah and Abraham, uh, they had been way past the age when most people have babies. Uh, It seemed logically impossible that a son would be born to them in their old age, but with God... All things are possible, and and sure enough, Isaac came along. Wonder of wonders. So, So, Jesus, we have a miracle baby in our family tree, that baby named Isaac. And, and as I'm going to explain to you in a minute, son, you yourself were a miracle baby, not unlike Isaac. But first we have to continue the story of our family tree for just a moment more. Isaac's son was Jacob. 
And Jacob was another miracle baby. So two miracle babies in just two generations. The probability of Rebekah giving birth to Jacob had been about as low as the chance of Sarah giving birth to Isaac. Rebekah had been barren. There had been no life in her womb, unable to have kids until our God intervened and Jacob came along. So you see, son, along the way in our family tree, there have been miracles that have happened. Miracles that are strangely similar to the moment of your own birth. Now fast forward in time and let me tell you, Jesus, about the time of your arrival. It was like this. Quite frankly, your mom and I were close to divorce at that time. The issue was that, that mom was pregnant with you, but we, we hadn't... It was a tough time for us, son. I, I felt a ton of pressure, but, but then a miracle happened, quite out of the blue. What, what happened was, is that I had an astonishing dream. So powerful and so vivid was this dream that that I knew that God had visited me. An angel appeared to me in that dream, Jesus, clearly, brightly, inescapably. I knew that it was an angel. And the angel told me staggering things. You need to understand this, son. The angel told me that, that I should stay with your mother. The angel told me the details about how you had been conceived, how, how it was that, that now you were growing there in mommy's tummy. It was the spirit who had done this. And the angel told me also, Jesus, your name. The angel named you Jesus in, in the dream. That was to be Your name. Mom and I didn't need to consult any baby books to find your name. No. The angel in the dream gave us your name, Jesus, very clearly. And then the angel also told me, son, that 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 you what, Dad? That you would save your people. From their sins. As I said, son, the, the events surrounding your birth were unimaginable. They, they were spectacular. But there's more. See, when mom was still pregnant with you, she also had an angel visit her. And the angel had even give his, given his name to mom. His name was Gabriel. And when Gabriel appeared to your mom, she was terrified. You know, mom, she gets scared about lots of stuff. But but in this case, she was terrified. She was distraught, in fact. So real was this vision. 
But again, Jesus, in that dream, Gabriel proceeded to name you. Just as he had named you in my dream, Gabriel told mom also that your name would be Jesus. And he told your mother even more staggering things. Gabriel told your mom that you, son, would be great. That you would be called the son of the Most High. That you would take the throne of our ancestor David, and, and not just temporarily, but forever, son. That your kingdom, Jesus, would have no end. I know this is a lot for you to hear, son, so, so why don't we p- just pick it up at another time and get back to work? No, Dad, I want to hear more. All right, well, shortly after Gabriel had visited Mom, uh, Mom made tracks uh, to see our relative Elizabeth. You know John's mom? Elizabeth had been another Sarah. She'd been another Rebecca. There was no way, at least from a, a scientific perspective, no way that Elizabeth should have been pregnant with John, but there she was when mom went to see her, um, already well along in her pregnancy. And when mom saw Elizabeth, the baby inside Elizabeth's womb leapt. It did a somersault. Mom told me later how blessed it had been. Uh, For her and Elizabeth to be together, both being pregnant like this. Actually, mom said that that in that moment she had sung a song because she just felt so blessed that the two of them were pregnant. Though neither of them should have been pregnant by any earthly reckoning. It was crystal clear at that moment, Jesus, that God was doing something new. Something mightier than any of us could ever imagine. And then, son, finally the time arrived for your birth. And this is going to sound very strange, but there was a star in the night sky that was different somehow. I'd never seen anything like it up to that point in my life, and, I, and I've never seen anything like it since. But, but these astrologer guys <clears throat> came on the scene. Uh, the, these guys had been following the pattern of that star from the east. And apparently, when these guys arrived in our region, they gained an audience with King Herod. And they started asking Herod about... The birth, the birth of who, Dad? The birth of the Messiah, son. The birth of our Jewish Christ. And and this conversation that they had with Herod had been so vexing to Herod that, that he decided to call a special meeting. Herod asked our chief priests about the location of the Messiah's birth. Where, according to the Hebrew Bible, does it look like the Messiah will be born? And the priests told him, Bethlehem. And then, my son, 
you were born in Bethlehem. And that star I told you about, it was directly overhead as mom gave birth to you. And, and those astrologer guys arrived and they saw you there brand new squirming around. And Jesus, went, when they saw you, when they saw you, they, they worshipped you. They worshipped your, your little infant frame lying there, and, and they offered gifts. You know, if this is all too much for you right now, Jesus. No, Dad, continue. All right, well, Jesus, you know we've never been very well off. I wish I could say you were born in the best hospital in the, in the area, uh, under the best doctors, but, but your birth was, was much more humble than that. Mom... I remember mom wrapped you in swaddling cloths and, and put you actually in an animal manger. And then, fittingly, I guess, there were some sheep herders that came by. But what those shepherds told us was yet another staggering thing maybe the most staggering thing of all jesus those shepherds said they'd been out in the field another quiet night with their sheep when suddenly they became terrified scared out of their wits an angel appeared clearly to all of them not just one but all of them and apparently some of them at that moment almost dropped dead out of fear. But the angel, blessed be God, reassured them in a loud voice and said this. He said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Messiah, Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then, son, at that moment, as, as the shepherds were relating this to us, they told us that at that moment, as they stood in the field, multitudes of angels appeared, brimming with praise and worship. The angels cried out together, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The shepherds told us all this, Jesus, as we were sitting there with you. You were lying in the manger. And you can guess it was a lot to process. I admit I was stunned. I actually was shaking. But in that moment, I remember looking over at your mom. Her face and her hair still full of sweat from the delivery. But I'll never forget, she, she had this look on her face. This peaceful, winsome, beautiful look. As if she was treasuring these things that the shepherds had said. As, as if she was just sort of lost in worshipful wonder well I wish I could tell you that things remain peaceful but our peace was short lived 
After I dozed off, I had another visit from an angel in a dream. This time there was some real urgency in the angel's voice. He told me that I'd have to take you and your mom to Egypt as soon as possible because Herod had gone mad. And this is the hard part of the story, Jesus. See, these these astrologers I told you about, they they had ended up double-crossing Herod. An angel had told them to stay away from Herod after that initial meeting that they'd had with him. Herod wanted them, you see, to report back to him after they found out where you'd been born, but, but they didn't do that. And so Herod went ballistic. And he gave this horrific, insane order that every male child, two and under, was to be slaughtered in Bethlehem and in the surrounding area. He was trying to get to the Christ. He was trying, son, to get to you. And as a result of his madness... Many died. Moms wept and travailed bitterly. But we were over in Egypt. I don't want to dwell on that part of the story, son. Suffice it to say that that Herod died later. And your dad had another dream, another angelic visit telling us to return home. And in the end... We settled here in Galilee, where we are today. So that's it, son. Your birth, your spectacular, one-of-a-kind coming into this world. I, I, son, have not stopped wondering about the great things that you are destined to do. Now, come on, I suppose it's time to get back to those boards and finish cutting. Friends, what I tried to do there uh, was simply to point out to you that all of the circumstances, signs, happenings surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ, they all witnessed to the singular greatness of the event. Dreams, angelic visits, A star behaving strangely, an insane king. All of these things pointed to or witnessed to the greatness of that day when God eternal incarnated into flesh. When God became man in the person of Jesus Christ. How great was the event called the birth of Jesus Christ? Jonathan Edwards once put it like this. He said, Christ's incarnation was a greater and more wonderful thing than ever had yet come to pass. Listen to this. The creation of the world was a very great thing, but not so great as the incarnation of Christ. It was a great thing for God to make the creature but not so great as for the Creator Himself to become a creature. 
God becoming man was greater than all great things. Then, in that moment, the greatest person was born that ever was or ever will be. How great is Christmas? What makes Christ's birth so spectacular and so astonishing? John Murray put it profoundly when he wrote, I love this quote, Then, at the coming of Christ into this world, the infinite became finite. The eternal and supratemporal, that is, the one who transcends time, entered time and became subject to its conditions. The immutable became mutable, that is, the unchanging one, God, became subject to change in a human body. Marie says, the invisible became visible. The creator became the created. The sustainer of all became dependent. It's all those great songs where Jesus lying in the manger, his small infant hand isn't even big enough to stretch out and touch the oxen standing there that he had created. The moonlight shining down on Jesus was the same moonlight from the same moon that he himself had created. According to Colossians, Jesus had been there at the creation of the world. And now he is there lying in a manger, fragile, finite. The infinite become finite. The sustainer of all things became dependent, the almighty infirm. And then Murray concludes this way. He says, all is summed up in the proposition, God became man. Yes. So the birth we celebrate during this Advent season is supremely spectacular. It is unlike any other birth. God born in the flesh, the divine rescuer of the world, manifested as a baby lying in a manger. The Christ, God's Messiah, the suffering servant and sin bearer of the world, born in human vesture. And my prayer for all of us is that this Christmas season, simply that we would deepen into the wonder of this and that we would find boldness and find confidence to share with our loved ones and and our neighbors the good news of Christ's birth. I want to close now with a poem uh, that I've shared uh, from this place in times past. And, And the poem is entitled, One Solitary Life. And I think it's a fantastic summary and brief of who Jesus is. It reads like this. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in still another village where he worked in a carpenter's shop till he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher for three years. He never wrote a book, he never held an office, he never had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college, he never visited a big city, he never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. 
He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone. And today, he is the central figure of the human race and the leader of humankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of persons on this earth as much as that one solitary life. Let's pray. This has been a presentation of Renfrew Baptist Church, a community of faith that exists to create obedient followers of Jesus Christ who love God and love people.